Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Welcome back to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond. This is going to be the final episode for the 2023 Sail Around Sicily by Andrew Vick. If you want to follow along as we talk about this voyage, go to the website and download the Google Track files. I think they're the KMZ files. I've put a link to those that you can download Also in the last episode, I talked about my crew positions that might be open in my upcoming spring sailing season. All those positions have been filled at this point in time. But if you're interested in joining me on future sailing adventures, I'm always looking for potential crew members. Write me a note, franz1 at medsailor.com, and tell me you'd like to be included in the list of potential future crew members. When you write me a note, send me your phone number because I will call you and talk to you. I'm not big on emails going back and forth. All right, with that out of the way, let's get on to this episode. (coughs) I'm on Skype with Andrew Vick again. This will be the third of his 2023 sailing route around Sicily. This is the third episode uh, seems like, Andy, whenever you and I start talking, we just go on and on and on. But where we left off in the last episode was at Castellamare in Sicily, on the northern coast of Sicily. Uh, it's a, a little town at the very bottom of, uh, it looks like an open bay to the north. So we just had to stop then, because we had been going on for, basically, you and I talked for almost two hours the other day. So yeah, we sure did. <laughs> we had to quit. So anyway, it's good to have you back again. We've had a couple weeks break be- before the last episode. That both of them have been released, and so everybody's anxiously awaiting for the final episode of your sail around Sicily. So continue on from Castle Amari, or start at Castle yeah. Amari. Yeah. Yeah, from Castel Amari. Yeah, it's a gulf there on the uh, kind of the northeast portion of Sicily. It's a a nice bay beautiful town uh a little marina and uh yeah when when you're when you're moored up in that little marina you're right in the heart of the town which is amazing i think i mentioned in the earlier podcast i like i want to be in the middle of things as a boater i want you know i want to be in a little harbor where the town was set up around the harbor not in some sort of you know remote you know big anonymous marina where it's you know 20 minute walk to get anywhere so so this fill those boxes um lively little spot uh super fun some parties some bars stayed up pretty late i think so, but, uh, but a good spot. So, yeah, we stayed a night, uh, continued on uh, across the bay there, uh, anchored for the night um, next to a really cool sea cave. Um, but again, now it's pretty wide open here. So when we dropped anchor, we had a good amount of wind chop uh, coming in, which seems to be the norm. You don't really find truly pleasant, calm anchorages when you have, you know, fetch like this. Uh, but but it, it did settle down. I know that was the theme now, the last couple of podcasts here, that uh, kind of complaining about leaving my beloved Croatia and having to endure, you know, the possibility of swell in, in anchorages and having your boat, you know, rock side to side all night. So, so yeah, that's taken some getting used to. Uh, but luckily, this anchorage did settle down, um, and we had a pretty good night of sleep. And, 
And yeah, no, I guess that was the last stop before we kind of circled around and pulled into Palermo. But I got to say, this portion of Sicily, the, the scenery is, is insane. There are these, you know, four or 5,000 foot peaks, these <clears throat> beautiful, majestic, you know, steep mountains just kind of jutting up. So, so beautiful scenery, really beautiful. Now I'm looking at your track. Did you drag anchor there or is that just a, a zigzag on a track coming in there? Oh, which which spot are you talking about? At the there? Anchorage, uh, just off the beach. Uh, uh, My first stop after Castellamare. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, let's see. I We didn't drag. We were probably kind of, you know, hunting around for, okay. for the right spot. Okay. You know, it's kind of funny. So Italy has this rule, um, and we don't know the exact rule, but generally it's thought of that you cannot anchor with, within 300 meters of shore or else you risk getting fined. So, and then, and luckily a lot of the places you, it, it, it's still shallow enough to anchor 300 meters offshore, but that's a thousand feet. You know, I, I don't want to anchor that far offshore. I want to be in tight, nice, as close as I can. So it's always just kind of like, well, is this 300 meters or is the rule really 150 meters? And there's no good consensus yet on that. And if there's a swim line, is it okay to then anchor, uh, you know, right up to the swim line if you want. So, so that was probably us trying to kind of feel out what, what 300 meters actually is. You know, it's yeah. interesting because I didn't even know about that rule, and I just anchored where I never got questioned anywhere. Um, so I've, I've never heard of that rule before. So 300 meters of the shoreline you're not supposed to be. And I'm, I know I violated that many times in my sails around Italy. Yeah, you know, probably we're able to read too many things like on Navali and these cruising forums now where you pick up all these old tidbits and then some of these things are might be better off just not knowing, right? And just kind of, you know, asking for forgiveness if you do, you know, get caught. I see here, now we've measured, I'm 212 meters from the beach now that I've <laughs> Google Earth open now and seeing where we ended up. <laughs> so, yeah, one yeah, time, so. one time I was in Sicily, I was in, uh, Porta Rosa, I don't know if you ever went there, but I rented a car and I was driving around and they had a roadblock there and they pulled me over and the guy in Italian asked me something and I didn't understand what he wanted. So I pulled out my driver's license and handed it to him. And then he asked me something else and I didn't understand him. So I pulled out the registration and handed it to him. Finally, just threw up his arm and said, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You wore him down. I did. I just, I don't know what you want here. What do you, what do you need? So, but I think sometimes ignorance is bliss. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. When we did leave that anchorage, we actually had to sail pretty close to the uh, Palermo airport. And that was a little nerve wracking because they're coming in pretty low. They were, they were landing on the, they were approaching on the same side on the east side of the airport. So we're coming in. It is. No, I've, yeah. I've driven my family to the airport, but I didn't realize how close you went around that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's right on the water. So, yeah, I mean, you know, these, these planes come in. They're, they're low. I mean, they're not big planes, but anyway, they still uh, could do some damage, right? Yeah. My mast is only, you know, 50 <laughs> feet off the water. But so, it seems but, close. It does seem close. So, you're right. Yeah. It's like anytime you go under a bridge, you know, no matter how tall the bridge is, it always looks like it's really close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, once we're back to the airport, I actually have been where you've been on land, not on a boat, but on land at that point in time. So, but uh, yeah. So you sailed around there, and it looks like you did some sailing too. You got up to the just off the airport, 
and you head, head straight out to sea, you were probably on a tack, and then you do another tack and come back into, uh, is it Palermo you're coming into at that point in time? Or no? We are. Well, our destination for that day uh, is, in fact, Palermo. I think we, we took a swim somewhere. No, we did sleep on the, that's right, that, that little green dot. Uh, we okay. anchored there for the night. You know, I'm looking back at that tack you just mentioned. What a horrible tack. You know, normally you think you can tack about 90, yeah, all things, when things are good, you can tack about 90 degrees. But man, that's a that's an ugly tack. That looks like more like at least 110 that's, so, a, that's about what my boat tacks at. That's about my average tack. I always think 90 degrees, but when I actually look at it on a track, I say, wow, there's nowhere near 90 degrees on my boat. So, right. Yeah, I'm way beyond that on my boat. But uh, Of course, I'll sit here and say, well, there must have been some current that made us. Ah, you know, okay. made it. But, <laughs> but maybe there was current in favoring us, so maybe the actual tack was even worse. I don't know, but... Yeah, that ninety degree tack. You know, sometimes you get it right. Sometimes it, you know, you look at the little track, you know, later on, and it's ninety. Or, but then, yeah, then it's probably probably had some current in your favor. But yeah, we pulled up to this uh, little beach town, um, cute little spot. Dropped anchor again. I was like, how many meters are we from, from shore? But two hundred and fifty-two meters. It looks like. So you're not. Did quite, you just measure me? I did just <laughs> measure you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that was a nice mellow little spot. It's still obviously pretty open, but the weather was pretty calm, so there wasn't. Uh, we had a we had a good night there. We weren't uh, weren't really rolling uh, uncomfortably anyway. So so, but uh, but cool little beach town. Uh, we found a couple of nice bars uh, in town, and uh, that was all good. And then and then we finally pulled around to um, without much more than a swim stop. We came all the way around to Palermo, which I guess is, that's, oh, that's sort of a the long, capital of Sicily. How long was that? That looks like a long day's hop, or maybe not too long, I guess. Not too bad then, yeah. Yeah, well, let's see what do we actually say. We even had a stop in, uh, I think it's called Mondello, which is a awesome beach spot. Um, oh, yeah. Mountainous backdrop. It's a nice spot, but... Honestly, that was only uh, that's only thirteen miles around. Too, okay, it looks farther. It looks farther than it is then. Okay, so you went wa- right into Palermo, and I've never gone into Palermo. I've only gone as far as Chesme, which is a little farther to the east. What was uh, and, I, and I and I took the train into Palermo to go check out Palermo. What was it like actually being in the in the marina of Palermo? Yeah, you know, you you read not the best thing. People say, oh, it's a, it's a dirty harbor and all this. You know, and it is a big commercial port. Um, but the area where they put the pleasure yachts is, is super nice. There, I think there's probably five or six independent sort of, uh, you know, marine pontoons, you know, independently run pontoons uh, right there. And it's right in the heart of town. I mean, it, you're right at the base of the main sort of walking avenue that, you know, goes up the entire length of the town. So it was great. I loved it, you know, super close to things and, you know, and Palermo itself is, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a big gritty, you know, you know, big gritty Sicilian town. It's a real working town, a university town, a lot of historical sites uh, and just a lot of vibe, a lot of energy, you know, and, and the streets are just alive everywhere you look, there are cafes. And then one of the streets even serves as kind of a de facto like nightclub because they, I guess, aren't too many rules on noise. So the couple of bars are just, pumping music out into these walking streets and people are just dancing in the streets and drinking and it's uh that was a cool spot it was it was a lot of fun you know it's kind of um i guess palermo catania they're kind of they're the two main 
cities on the island of Sicily. And I think they kind of compete a little bit as to which one is kind of the, you know, the, the better one. So, but they're both great. Yeah. I've, like I said, I've never spent the night in there, but I've gone in there for the day and I liked it. It's a beautiful town when you walk around it. And like you say, a lot of, a lot of activity in the streets, uh, just a fun town to visit, I think. Yeah, totally. Very buzzing place. Also very convenient. So I was, you know, when I do these sales, you know, I have uh, this particular summer, people stayed on board probably about 10 days at a time. So, and then you kind of time it. So at each end of those 10 day or whatever, 10 to 14 day legs, um, you'll have some kind of convenient, you know, airport or, or something or a ferry, ferry terminal. So of course, Palermo has its, its main airport right there, which was convenient. So changed crew in town, actually boarded my final crew of the summer in uh, Palermo. Okay. So, Okay. And this. So, how many days did you spend in Palermo? A couple of days, then. Well, we were uh, we were three nights in okay. Palermo, which was good. You know, it's a kind of a, it's a bigger place. You want to have time to explore, kind of you know, get your feet on land, and you know, I have no problem using the marinas. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of cruisers swear oh they never go to marinas they only anchor out, but I kind of like going into marinas sometimes because it's nice, especially with crew. You can, you know, everyone can kind of step on and off when they want to. Yeah, of course, it's nice giving the boater proper hose down with the, uh, you know, with the fresh water, fill the tanks, of course. So, yeah. Yeah, and so, for me, it's the doing the laundry after a crew leaves. You got to do all the towels and the laundry and get all that stuff done. So it's at least a day of maintenance between crews for me. Sure. You know, I kind of circumvent that. I make my crew bring their own sheets and and towels. <laughs> smart i think i need to start doing that that's a good idea <laughs> it's just too hard and it's annoying for them because everyone wants to you know travel just with carry-on bags a lot of my you know half my crew are coming from the u.s and you know probably exploring europe further and um it's tough for them to you know to squeeze it all into carry-on so but um but i mean that's how it is i just don't have the chance some places where you you know have a crew turnover you just you don't have the opportunity to do laundry yeah so, so yes, yeah, so I make them so they need to bring a you know a towel. You know, I have pillows, I have blankets. You know, all that is there if if blankets are needed, which is isn't that often. But yeah, they they need a top and bottom sheet, pillowcase, and and a towel. That's a good idea. So, yeah that that would that would e- that would ease up my. I could cut down laundry from uh, every time a crew changes to probably once a summer for me because I have enough t-shirts that I can cycle through those before I need to get new ones so yeah it's a good idea sure, we don't really we don't really wear much you know we were on the boat you know the whole summer long we're you're wearing pretty much a swim you know swim shorts most of the time so you're not going through lots of, of laundry but boy when it is laundry time it's a pain i mean you're you're hauling stuff through the heat to some if you're lucky you have a marina that has the facilities right there right sometimes even full service you just hand it over to to a person and you know it's done you know, the next day or something. But sometimes you got to, you know, hoof it across town to some coin-op place, figure out how that coin thing works, and lug it all back again, and do that multiple times, right, for the different loads. So, Yeah, I have stories to tell about laundry where I've had to drive from one side of the island to the other side of the island to uh, to find, in Kefalonia in particular, I had to literally drive from from the marina on one side to the other side to even find a laundromat. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. And it still is. It's getting a little easier, but it's still hard to find laundry. 
you know, that's the first thing I do is I go into a town when I'm changing crews and I open up Google Earth and I, or Google Maps and they say, find me a laundromat. And usually it's way the hell across town. There's not very yeah, many right. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're yeah, so smart. That, I need to I need to follow your advice and or your example and do that. So yeah, you know, it, it's so much work to you know get the boat together for people, do all the sailing. You know, when you have crew on, they're not quite as stressed as you are, right? They get to kind of sit back and we worry about the planning, and we don't have to we don't have to put laundry on top of that. We 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 do enough for for the friends that that come and join us. So, so, but yeah, but we did, but we stayed three nights there in Palermo. You know, we, we could have stayed a fourth night. I have an acquaintance used to live here in California and she, she's back in her hometown of, uh, of Palermo. And it was cool knowing her because she showed us around all the hotspots. And she said, you know, you got to stay a fourth night because we have the big, big summer city festival. It was, of course, there's some kind of religious festival relating to the, you know, some feature of the, the their whole Catholic society, some patron saint, I guess, was going to be marched down the, the main street. And she said, yeah, it's going to, they're expecting like 150,000 people to crowd this main avenue. It's going to be wild. There's going to be fireworks. <clears throat> but at this point, it had gotten really hot. This is when kind of the big, great heat wave, and this is about mid-July, this is when the big, great heat wave started. And after three nights there, I was ready to get out. The idea of 150,000 people crowding that street in those temperatures, even at night, it was, it was hot. I said, that, that does not sound nice. So, so we skipped out on the festival and, and, and got going that, that Friday night. So, but it would have been fun. I guess that fireworks and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Had it been cooler, you know, yeah, the heat there, it just, it got crazy right about now. Yeah. In the summer, every now and then I get invited on other boats with air conditioning and I never want to get off because there's no way you and I can escape the heat in the summer on our boats we're there all the time but i will say this uh i tend to lose weight i tend to lose a lot of weight <laughs> as it all comes off in water in the summer so yeah i come back in fighting trim after being in 80 90 degree weather all summer long on the on the on the water so <laughs> yeah i i have lost weight on these trips i'm i'm, I'm anyway pretty slender guy i don't have a, a lot to lose but i but i have lost some but but then sometimes there's a lot of pizza beer and ice cream being consumed way more so that might offset all the all the sweating and sort of the the reduced appetite from the heat so yeah more recent summers i've come back probably about the same but which is okay i did get to eat a lot of pizza and ice cream and drink a lot of beer yeah yeah so i see your track takes you up around this point and it looks to me like you're dropping in and checking out the coastline as you go around this point and uh, aspra did you spend a night in aspra you know, we didn't. We we dropped anchor there and had a little swim stop, uh, but then we kept going. And you'll see the track kind of got a little erratic. It shows that we sailed right across the mm-hmm. land. But yeah, I know that didn't glitch. occur. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we ended up. Yeah, and we were after you know three nights uh, <clears throat> in in town. We we're anxious to to have an anchorage. Just I love just dropping anchor and just just so peaceful and quiet, and it you sleep so much better at anchor. It's, it's provided you don't have a lot of swell coming through. So now this this whole you know, north side of of Sicily kind of looks like a big open roadstead. So I mean, what they have, what they what Navali might refer to as anchorage, will be just a bare little nook, just a slight little nook in the in the topography. So so we ended up uh, anchoring on this uh, little spot that you see from the track. As you see, it's kind of nudged in 
you wouldn't call this very protected, but uh, it was a good stop anyway. I dropped anchor, still had the wind shop, but things settled down. Had a good night. Nice swim, nice, nice scenery around. So, but you're having mission. pretty settled weather. It sounds like you're not having really any storms coming through or anything at this point in time. Yeah, aside from, I mean, this this big heat dome that happened. I, I think pretty much, yeah, there there no thunderstorms. In fact, you know, I did all this in June and July, and I didn't have to endure any, not a single thunderstorm. We didn't have a raindrop after I think June fifth, way back in the beginning in Syracuse, we had some rain. Um, but other than that, there was, you know, often in the med, at least up in Croatia, there was, you know, any any week of the summer, you could have some squalls and thunderstorms, things like that. But I tell you, this whole season, I endured nothing of the sort. It was uh, and no, like, massive winds or anything. It was just, you know, so that that took a lot of stress. I didn't realize, till the end, oh, I didn't have to deal with any kind of, like, adverse weather at all, aside from this heat. And by now we're talking, it's 100 Fahrenheit plus you know every single day now <clears throat> which is which is tough yeah you're just getting in and out of the water all day long to try to cool off that's what i end up doing so yeah but when the and the water i tell you what somewhere along this stretch <clears throat> you know have we all have that little gauge or a lot of us on the telling us the water temperature but the water hit 32 and a half celsius which is actually 90 degrees fahrenheit which is the highest water temperature i've ever seen from from the boat in, in you know 15 summers now of sailing around so, so so it's not even refreshing to get in except for the wind when you come out of the water that cools you off a little bit yeah right right you jump in 90 degree water i mean if you can lay there i mean you're, you're kind of a little floaty or yeah you just find yourself try to get on the shady you know nudge up against the hull on the you know more shade shady side of the boat and just 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 hang there just tread water Hang on to a little line for a while. Anything unique that you uh, ran into between where you're at and, and uh, Cephalu? Or is that your next big stop is Cephalu then? Yeah, after this one night at anchor there, uh, yeah, then straight shot over to Cephalu. You say Cephalu, I say Cephalu. Okay, probably you're right. But you didn't go into the marina. I always went into that marina around the corner. In fact, I got double billed the last time I was there. They they build me and they say, oh, he made a mistake. Let me get your credit card back again. And then they build me again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you managed to dispute that. I did. I got it back. But uh, it's still a pain in the butt. Uh, sure, sure. But interesting. I see you anchored just off the shore there uh, uh, in in Cephalu. Cephalu, yeah. Yeah, this was a, uh, what was this? This was a Saturday night then. Uh, oh, my God. This was a Saturday we pulled in. And. That bay was just crammed with boats. There were boats and boats, people anchored, people swimming music. It was just, it was like a big nautical party. It was, it was crazy. Because I'd been in Chefalu once before, 2008, my very first loop through the Med. I actually, Chefalu was my first landfall in Sicily coming down from Sardinia. So I'd been there before and it was you know, pretty mellow. I think it was the exact same date in 2008. And here, I don't know, maybe it was because of a, probably because it was a Saturday. But yeah, we pull in in the main bay. And uh, and drop the hook kind of as close in as we as we dared, given the potential uh, you know, rules. But <laughs> yeah, you know that marina, as you can see, is kind of it's a bit of a stroll from the marina uh, over is. to, to the is. old town. That's the downside. You have a long walk to get to the old town from the from the marina. And uh, when I was there, I didn't even know that that was an anchorage around the corner. Otherwise, I would have dropped my anchor where you did. 
Yeah, well, we, we were lucky. You know, in 2008, I dropped anchor there one morning, and, by, and then we went touring around. By afternoon, a pretty big wind chop had built up, so we were kind of, you know, we were a little bit stressed getting back to the boat. And, and on that day, 15 years ago, we actually came around to the marina because it was just too, too lumpy. In the anchorage, but in this case, uh, we stayed two nights actually in Chefalu, um, and it was it was pretty tolerable. There's, there's always going to be a little bit of a roll when you have you know 800 miles of fetch, you know, up to the north of Italy. Um, but uh, but Chefalu is awesome. I mean, Chefalu is is just just a one of those dream spots. You know, if you <clears throat> look at the highlight reel of Sicily, you know, Chefalu is you know always going to be one of those kind of top five, you know, kind of town highlights. Just this beautiful mountain in this old town, you know, this old, you know, just right on the, right on the water. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost indescribable. It's so cool. So it yeah, is. two nights there. It's one of my favorite cities. I really enjoy it. And I was staying at the Marina, like I said, and I, just a quick story, you know, they've got the garbage you can dump off and they've got it separated by glass and, and paper and trash uh, all these bins along the side by the uh, by the office in the marina, and so I was sitting there when the garbage man came by and emptied it, and they took them all and emptied them into one big uh, one big barrel. So, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's all for show. It's all for show, is what it was. But uh, yeah, and, and then I then I actually went out and didn't want to pay another night in the marina because it wasn't cheap. <clears throat> and just went out and anchored, and I still had the full protection of the uh, breakwater, just out probably hundred yards from the break from the uh, from the piers, and just anchored. It was dead calm out there, and much more comfortable than being tied up to the to the keys. So, it, uh, and I was surprised more people didn't do that. Maybe I wasn't supposed to, but nobody stopped me. Yeah, yeah, and. And now that we have Navali and things like that, you, you'll read the occasional story. And I think specifically there, they said, yeah, they don't want you anchoring like right in there. You got to be a little further off, like around that little tip more to the west. But you know, I think, you know, these days <clears throat> uh, we've had a lot of wind from the east the, the last few days up ah, to this point. Okay. okay. So, so that would and, be wide open from the east then. Yeah, that marina with east wind must be must be a nightmare. So. So that was another, yet another reason why, yeah, we just, yeah, you can see my tack. I, I made a tack on the approach to Chefalu, um, which implies that, uh, or suggests that uh, there was an easterly wind. Um, and again, a really horrible tack of probably about 110 degrees. So, yeah, I'm embarrassed now that I shared the track with you because <laughs> these tacking <laughs> angles are so bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now it looks like you, you actually anchored before you went out to the Aeolian Islands then. You went out to Cap Orlando then, Cape Orlando. There's a marina there. Didn't notice that. Yeah, and we actually, yeah, we went into the marina. So we that's a long stretch. That was, uh, you know, we knew we were going out to the Aeolians. We weren't sure which was going to be the first one. But, you know, after three nights, uh, you know, anchored out with, you know, full house of four on board. I usually prefer three, but we were a full house of four people on board. We needed a reset. We needed to get the you know, water tanks filled. We, you know, we were running out of food. And, and all and drinking water too so uh so we very happily we and that was a boy that was a boring 30 mile just autopilot straight line to Cafe de orlando and, and went into the marina there super nice marina it's kind of middle of nowhere you know but the facility is great they have some restaurants and a little supermarket you know that must so, be a fairly new marina because it wasn't there when i went through the first time 
and I didn't even look for it the second time. So it looks like a brand new marina. I think it is on the new side. New meaning maybe maybe max ten years old or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but it's it's really nice, and you know, it was we needed it. We needed to rinse the bow. We needed to fill the tanks, and so it was. Yeah, it was nice. Just kind of you know the anchor out thing. You know, like I said, we'd been out three nights in a row. You know, kind of doing the dinghy thing. Um, but it was yeah, it was a really nice little little reset <clears throat> to get into the marina. Yeah, and our boats were small. You know, Franz and I. You know, you're. Uh, you know, we don't have you know these you know two hundred gallon water tanks and, and, and things like that, right? <laughs> nope, nope. I think mine's thirty gallons or something like that. That's about it. So, yeah, mine might be fifty, but I never properly measured it. But yeah, so that's not going to go too far when you got you know full house on board. So, but Cafe Orlando is a it's a super cool little spot. Um, Did they have know, a beautiful. grocery store? It looks like a basically a marina but not much of a town around it was there a grocery could you stock up on food there we did there there was a small grocery store right in the marina but like you said this is middle of nowhere there's nothing nothing around i guess the main town is out towards the point to the west um yeah we but we got to do a little shopping we got to eat out at a restaurant and uh yeah yeah real showers you know it was all girls on board at that time so you know they appreciate getting into the proper showers so so definitely a useful spot and uh, and a really good staging ground. I mean, that puts you, I think, only like 15 miles from the closest of the Aeolian Islands, which is uh, called a Volcano. Volcano, yeah. Yeah, the first time I went to Volcano, it was pretty empty. And the last time I went a few years ago, it was just jam-packed, just jam-packed. So what was it like when you went there then? Uh, it was... Um, well, hard, what are we talking about? We're getting close to July 20th here. It wasn't that crowded. Okay. Like I, um, I remember one anchorage in particular. I, uh, I, sent, uh, I sent a picture to a friend who had recommended that anchorage or a guy I'd met along the way, and he said, oh, wow, there's so few boats there. Is this on the south end of the island? Because I never anchored there. It looks like there's a black beach on the south end of the island that you anchored at. Yeah, so we headed straight for the closest spot there, the southern tip of Volcano, and there's a nice little black sand beach uh, right there. Spent the night. It was funny. I thought the water was murky. We dropped anchor about seven, eight meters of water, about 25 feet of water, and you're used to yeah, kind of seeing the bottom, but then I jumped in the water just to look at the anchor, and, and the sand was all black. That's why we couldn't see anything, so it wasn't murky at all. It's just uh, the black sand wasn't reflecting any, any light back up. So it was, it was beautiful, clear water. You just couldn't really see you see it, sort of see the bottom from that height, so from that depth. So but that's a nice, chill little spot. And I tell you, you know, these these anchorages, you know, my first time through here, I had you know kind of one of these, you know, the Heichel, you know, guidebooks. You know, here's your Italian pilot book, right? And, and those are great, but. You know, they can't list everything. And they don't, so yeah, why, with Navali, you've got all these options you never even thought about before. That's that's great about Navali and uh, and, what, and no, no Foreign Lands, both of those apps. Exa- yeah, I reference both. Yeah. Yeah, I reference both all the time, right? Especially when you're you know, exploring somewhere new. Oh, invaluable. Sometimes it's, too, sometimes it's too much information. I mean, it takes a lot to, to digest and process and remember all the little tidbits. You go to Navali, and it's one thing to see, okay, there's an anchorage, but the, the, the really useful information is buried in the reviews. So you scroll down and down, and then you have all the reviews, and the reviews are really telling you 
you know, what you want to know, you know, but in an open-ended format. So it's almost like you need to <laughs> do some other notes. I mean, it sounds like something Chad GPT should, uh, should kind of go through and, and sort for us. And maybe it does. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sailing all the way up through the Caribbean this year and I'm not even buying any pilots anymore because all the information is contained in those two apps. And the pilots mm-hmm. really don't give you that much more information. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and Navali's free, right? So I kind of like, I still recommend to people, if I see, if I'm, a, I'm a, on a forum, they say, hey, what's a good, uh, you know, good way to, to learn, you know, your way around Croatia. I still think, especially in a place like Croatia, where you have so many islands, I think the pilot books are still pretty good because it kind of gives you, Navali is so free format that it's hard to really tell, okay, where's the main spot? Okay, and where are, where are the, you know, the, the better anchorages? And then, and then you have kind of the really kind of anchorages that are you know, maybe not that tenable and only in the right conditions. Where, whereas the book kind of, kind of gives you a little bit of a better intro, I think. So I still like to have the book in a way. I, I still think they're, they're, they're useful, <clears throat> but I think they, they kind of complement each other. Whereas Navali can really kind of fill in the blanks on all the sort of secondary or not that obvious anchorages. I, I, I tend to agree, especially in the Mediterranean. But, you know, when I stayed, sailed through there initially, there was no Navali. But I'll tell you a story. One time I pulled into, into a Greek port in, um, in uh, Chios, and a guy on a, uh, a German boat helped me in, and we got to talking, and we started talking about where to go. And he pulled out his uh, Greek waters pilot. I forget who wrote it. Heichel, I guess. And I pulled out mine, and we compared the two pilots. And his was at least um, a third larger, maybe 50% larger in thickness than mine was. And he started going through it and said, this is exactly the same information. So those German words really add bulk to a book. (laughs) That's so interesting. (laughs) Well, German words are known to be very long. (laughs) Yeah. Take three words and stick them together and make, make one new word out of them. So it looks like you basically did a day trip around Volcano, poking in all sorts of little places. How many nights did you spend on Volcano? Just the one? You know, just the one. You know, uh, we woke up, you know, at that southern anchorage for the Black Sand Beach, and then we came around. I mean, the, the main spot of Volcano, there's a little isthmus on the northern mm-hmm. part of Volcano, and you can anchor on either side of it depending on the, on the wave direction or the swell. You know, and it wasn't that long, so we got up to that you know, little bay on the west side, um, and we're like, well, that's an obvious place to drop anchor, but we just didn't feel like getting on land. You know, one of the big mm-hmm. things to do there is to actually to hike the volcano. <clears throat> so, what's or what's left of it? It's a volcano is really cool. There's the remnants. I mean, it used to be a really you know tall conical peak, but I think the top half just blew off. So you have this sort of half mountain, and I've hiked up it, uh, hiked up it before. But uh, you know, when it's hundred degrees plus, I you know you don't want to do any hiking. You know. In, you know, right out in the direct sun, right to the non-shaded trail. Yeah, and I, you know, I see these people like to go out trekking, and I say, okay, you got to go in the uh, winter or spring or fall, but not in the summer because it's just unbearable in the summer. I'm like you; I want to be able to jump in the water and cool off, or go to an air-conditioned bar and stay there because it's just too unbearable in the in the heat in these islands. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so we actually did, we did a little drive-by on, on that northern part of Volcano, um, and we ended up, and we dropped anchor for a bit off of the uh, east side of Lipari. That's the next island north mm-hmm. of Volcano. 
But then ultimately that, uh, that second night in the Aeolians, we ended up taking a dock or a pontoon uh, in Lippery, which is kind of the main town, or that's the biggest settlement in the whole island chain, is the town of Lippery. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually took a pontoon there. Crazy thing is, so this is the, the east side of the island. This is, you know, protected from the, you know, the prevailing northwest winds and swell, but you got so many boats running, and they, they actually have a lot of these um, foiling you know, uh, hydrofoil boats, mm-hmm. you know, that, that lift up out of the water. It's an old design. I mean, I think they've had these for, for several decades. Yeah, a lot of ferries so, come in and out of there. Lapari Porto. Um, yeah, yeah. And there is just a constant buzz of ferries either passing by or coming into the port and out again. There is a constant swell. And these, these, all these different ferries are going at such high speed, plowing through the water and generating the biggest boat wakes you could imagine so when you're staying in these little pontoons that have no there's one proper marine in lippery um, but it's a little further from town and then there are a series of pontoons that are independently managed and um and they are but they're really exposed so it's really kind of an ordeal you set up a whole web of lines but your boat is going to be moving like crazy as long as the ferries are going but after dark once the ferries stop things settle down and you actually sleep well but Prior to that, I mean, the boats on the pontoons are just just getting knocked around like crazy. The same thing 15 years earlier, on my first first time through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got long stories to tell about that, and I've told them in past podcasts, so I'm not going to reiterate them here. But uh, yeah, Lippery, actually, that's the only harbor that I could escape to when I had the worst weather in... All the time I've had guests with me was was when I was sailing in the Aeolian Islands, which, which I think means the the windy islands. I think is what right. Called. Yeah. So, but yeah, I spent a lot of time in Lapari, and that town's kind of a neat little town if you get to the right section of it too. Did you walk around it at all? Oh yeah, that was a great spot. That was one of you know my even I didn't remember very well what a cute place it was, and 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 my crew on board, the girls just loved it. I mean because. No one had any expectations. And here you start going through in these alleys, and they have this cute little kind of the main waterfront area with the church and, you know, all the little local boats and stuff. It was just the place is as cute as can be. I mean, it's really, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was definitely, uh, definitely well, and obviously why it's kind of the center point of the Aeolian. So, but, yeah, super cool spot. Highly recommended. But it sounds like you were there without too much wind, so you were able to enjoy the rest of the Aeolian Islands. And uh, so you got out to, what's the next one? Panera. Okay, I got there as well. Um, Is it Panera? Is that the name of the island you went to? No, actually, the next stop after uh, Salina was over in uh, Salina. Salina, that's right. So talk to us about that. I've never been to that island. That's one I haven't been to. The northwest tip of Salina is one of my top ten, you know, anchorages ever in terms of scenery. It's it's just stunning. There's there's a, there's a hanging valley. You know, this is all. Salina is like a, it's like two volcanoes that have kind of merged. Or, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's two volcanic peaks. Um, it's all volcanic. It's um and this there's a the anchorage has this sort of town up on this valley, and then there's a the cliffs drop off from that valley down to the bay and there are these little fishermen huts that were carved into the into the into the wall of the cliffs and little trails going up i mean it's just stunning and the sunset yeah obviously it's open straight to the west so 
uh, these beautiful sunsets. So uh, Polara is, the, I guess, the main is the actual name of the place, um, P-O-L-L-A-R-A. And, and again, stunning spot. Did I say top five or top 10 Anchorage ever? I said top 10. So beautiful spot. I would have stayed a second night. It's just, just the scenery is so nice. You get in, you can hike up the little town. Um, yeah, and here had I had a, had a little more flexibility in the schedule, I would have I would have added a night. I've said that a couple times. You know, when we we set up these routes, right, where we kind of commit to certain deadlines, which cruisers aren't supposed to do. <clears throat> but but if you got to get where you're going, you need some kind of route, right? Well, that's that. You know, if you're just good at doing it by yourself, you can do that. But when you got crews that are joining you and getting off in different spots, you've got to plan your route to get to those spots because that's where they've made plans from. Sure. And even if you're by yourself, you might have a, a flight back home to the States. You might have a marina booking where you're putting your boat for the following winter. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to be open-ended. I mean, so you need, you need to structure it somewhat because if you, if you dilly-dally in one spot too long because you, yeah, you loved it, you might have to do a lot of fast-forwarding later on to kind of catch up. So. And I'm seeing a but, nice long tack from Polara. Up and back. That's another. That's an ugly tack. How do we tack so poorly? <laughs> that's even. It's getting worse and worse, Franz. What's happening here? <laughs> Looked like a good day of sailing, though. A great day of sailing. Yeah, it was. It was pretty light, but we were happy. Just finally, there was a bit of wind because we hadn't done a whole lot of sailing up to that point, which is kind of neat in a way. Because like when we went around Lipari on the way to Selina, we we hugged shore. We. They have these spires just sticking out of the out of the water. You know, it looks kind of like almost like Thailand. You know, they have those famous sort of weird island things. Um, little bays. We stopped one spot. I went in and jumped off a little rock, and yes, it's, it's stunning, beautiful. So you're actually pretty lucky if you can be here at a time when there isn't too, you know, when the waves and wind aren't too bad, right? Because then you can really explore the place. So if you have your normal, you know, the so-called normal northwesterly is going to kind of make the western side of these islands, you know, a little less fun. Yeah, I'm looking at your track in Lipari or Lipari, how you say it, but I see you went right by those pumice mines, and you uh, remember how white the bottom was right next to those pumice mines? It looks like you stopped. Right I don't next- know if you stayed overnight or you just went uh, s- stopped and went swimming, but uh, I see that's where you stopped there. We had a swim stop. We spent a couple hours there. Um, and, yeah, you can even see it so well from Google Earth how the pumice has kind of, you know, kind of seeped out into the sea. And you just have this crazy, crazy clear, bright water. It's, uh, it's, it's insane. It's so nice. Yeah, and if, you ha- if the wind's blowing it, you can sometimes get rocks floating around you in the water from the pumice rocks. We did. We did actually. Yeah, the girls actually gathered a few of those, uh, those floating pumice stones. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool. And the scenery, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's a, you know, the aliens are kind of, you know, it's seven, eight islands, you know, a little a few more further out to the west. But I mean, it, it's a charter spot. They definitely have some charter bases nearby. So you can rent a boat and you can actually sail around this spot for, for a week. So it's, uh, no, it's, it, as sailors, we like islands, right? We like clusters of islands. We want an archipelago. <clears throat> so, and this place, you know, definitely. Definitely checks that box. So, but so the second night on Selena, yeah, we came around to the east side. They have a little town. Um, we we anchored off the, the little town, 
the Navli reviews were bad of the little harbor. So we anchored off, saved a few bucks anyway. It was probably going to be 80 euro to park my little boat in their, in their marina. So that was good and well. Um, then the next day we sailed out to Panarea. Okay, and I've, I've anchored the, in that little bay that you've been in and it was blown out in the morning. So, yeah, I was, that was the year I had the worst weather in history. And I, I finally the weather calmed down, and I went up there and anchored pretty much where you did. And in the middle of the night, the wind came and basically blew us off. Back to Lapari, wow. I went. Yeah, back to Lapari. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, there's nowhere to hide. You you feel pretty vulnerable in these places. Uh, I'll I'll go back and reference Croatia again. Croatia, you'll, you'll always find an all weather anchorage, mm-hmm. or at least one that blocks you know wind from at least three quarters of the directions. Right. Yep. So yeah, here you're pretty vulnerable. So, and you can go always go to the other side of the island if it's coming from the wrong way too in Croatia. So there's always options mm-hmm. in in the Croatia area. But what yeah. do you think? Do you think you're going to go back to Croatia after another couple of years? What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's the big question. Yeah, let's see how I feel once we get uh, to the end of the the route here. Okay, yeah, all right. Let's continue on. <laughs> but so, so Panare is kind of like the Shishi Island. I call it the the Saint Bart's of the Med. So it's uh, every building is white. It's it's a fancy island. You have all the you know fancy folk from Milan fly down, and um, so and and it, it's a cool spot. We um, we spent two nights. We anchored one night in this sort of the bay, the little bay on the south. And then uh, the second night we splurged on a buoy, uh, which is closer to the town. Um, and that buoy was expensive, but it included a 24-hour taxi service or shuttle service uh, in and out, which was nice. We were four people, maybe on a little bit different program. So it was nice just being able to hail a ride whenever. Also, my outboard motor was uh, uh, gave, you know, was not in function at this time. So... So, but Panarea was uh, was fun. Actually, we anchored next to the, a YouTube boat. There's a, some YouTubers from Australia called uh, Leading the Escapade. I actually met them in, in Africa, in Tunisia, like, you know, a month earlier. So we hung out with them. Yeah, they had a nice big dinghy with a 20 horse that we were kneeboarding on their paddleboard. And, and she's a hairdresser. So I was actually badly in need of a haircut. So, so I had a nice haircut right on the back, right on the transom of their boat. Just sat there. I said, because she said, I said, what do you do in your normal life? She said, oh, I was a hairdresser before. I said, do you have your scissors with you? She says, I sure do. So so me and one of my crew, we we uh, went over for uh, for a haircut, which was probably the most scenic haircut I've ever had. So, But Panerai is cool. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's she-she. It's, it's, I mean, it's a little too fancy, but it's something to see one time. We ended up at the uh at the local nightclub uh which was which was fun so and then in between the two nights we sailed out there's some cool islands um just off to to the east one has these bubbles you you anchor and then you can snorkel over and there are these these uh, sulfuric vents coming up from under the water about 10 meters deep and uh so you just you're snorkeling you just have this all these bubbles coming up around you you feel like you're in a in a in a you know, swimming in a can of soda or something now, did you anchor there? Because I see a lot of squiggles, or did you just drift while you swam? You know, we drifted at first because I was looking down, and it was a very a lot of boulders on the bottom. So I was too nervous to anchor. So well, we took turns kind of helming the boat while others swam. But then I finally did actually drop anchor more over to the east, closer okay. to the bigger of the two islands. There was a big there was a big sand patch, so we did actually end up sticking around a little while over there. 
Okay. So. Yeah, and, I, and Google Earth, I can see several boats just hanging around that, so it must be a fairly popular spot to go to. It is, it is, yeah. And this is still July. You know, we haven't gotten to August. We're probably about July 22nd at this point. And it's not full yet. So, like, in Lipari or even in um, you know, Tanarea with the buoys or even back in Salina with that harbor, nothing's full. There's plenty of capacity, right? Because we haven't gotten to August. August is, is, is the big trigger word. That's, that's when every Italian is off those middle two weeks of August. And, <clears throat> and that's, just, that's just absolute chaos, I hear. So, but until now, we've always had, you know, we've been able to, you know, moor wherever, take a marina spot wherever, you know, nothing, nothing's been full. So, which was on purpose. I'm intending to wrap up this whole voyage now before, uh, before, before August. So, and here we are already probably July 20 something. So, so from Panarea, we said goodbye to the Aeolians and we're kind of, we're kind of on the home stretch now. So my boat again was in Riposto, which is on the east near Terramina or near Catania on Sicily, east side of Sicily. So taking the boat back there for, for a second winter. So we, we start heading back, um, bit of a long, Flog over to the mainland of Italy, a place called uh, Silla or Silla, S C I L L A, is a little town that was recommended to me. So, and we so, got so, a nice sailing. The, the so, last yeah, miles. I see that long, long track over there. Were you able to sail it or did you have to motor most of the way? You know, the final fourth of it, you'll see that we had a little jog in the trail. That's where we put up the mainsail. We had a beautiful sail the final uh, the final few miles in. Okay, okay. Now, did you anchor there, or is did you go into that marina, which is right there as well? It looks like there's a little marina there. We first anchored off the beach. Beautiful sand beach. I mean, the town is it's again. We didn't expect much out of this place, but they got this beautiful town up on the rock promontory, and then on one side is a nice long white sandy beach. We anchored there first, took a little swim. Went into shore for an Aperol Spritz, and then, but for the night uh, we uh, went around the corner. It's not really a marina. They had some, they have mooring buoys where they have fore and aft lines, um, so you, they they keep you pointed towards the usual swell. They have something else interesting, which is they have a buoy that you can pull up to with your boat, and that buoy has fresh water plumbed to it. So it's about a you know about a hundred feet from shore. They run a hose, so you can tie up. To that buoy and fill your water tanks and rinse your boat and do everything. This is the mainland, so there's you know plenty of water. But that's a I've never heard of anything like that before. <clears throat> so, so that was a big draw of coming to this spot. We needed a refill. We've been uh, anchored out now for uh, you know, the previous four nights or so. So it's definitely time to get the water tanks topped off. Okay, so I can sort of see it in your zigzag around this buoy, and then you went and stayed the night in this uh, other spot. It looks like. Yeah, where we ended up staying, it was it, it was a buoy, but again, with a they had an aft line connected to it, so it kind of kept kept your orientation. Kept it pointed. I see all these boats in Google Earth that are pointed, sort of uh, northeast, and so they all have four and aft line. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to be so close together because mm-hmm. they're pretty darn exactly, close yeah. together. Yep. So the town is cute, actually. Sila. S-C-I-L-L-A or Sia, I don't know what, how they say it. But this is the name of one of those monsters in the in the Homer's Odyssey, right? There mm-hmm. was, she was the sea serpent, I guess. Oh yeah. So she's she's the one that would grab sailors off the off the boat and slam them into the cliffs and things like that. So that's what they named her after. 
okay. this, this town or this rock at this town. Yeah, I'm looking at the images on Google Earth. It looks like a pretty town, nice, cute town. Really pretty. And, that, and here's the thing with sailing, right? It's just we, we went there because it was convenient. It was on the way. It was kind of the right distance between you know us and the next stop, right? So and you just discover these places that are just you've never heard of. I mean, no one will ever go here, you know, but... But here we did, and it was amazing, and it was just cute. And that's kind of the fun part of doing the voyaging that we do is just coming across places like this. Yeah, the Italians will be visiting these places, but no travel agent in America is going to say, go visit Celia, you know? It's just, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I tell you, what, it's still hot. I tell you, this heat is not relenting. <laughs> we noticed in the evening... There were there were a couple of wildfires. I'm used to that from California, right? You got you know a wildfire popped up over there. I don't know how though, but there wasn't there wasn't any lightning. Um, and then we went to we went to sleep. That was fine, but and I was it was too hot to sleep down below. So it's actually and I rarely do this, but I, I just snoozed up in the cockpit. I don't have the longest cockpit benches, so it's not that comfortable. But I, I was snoozing up there overnight. And when I woke up right around sunrise, about a mile away, but the whole cliff was just an inferno some wildfire got so close to the town and it's dense black smoke was blowing over the sea to the north of us or to the northeast of us and it was it was kind of scary looking i mean it was it was just you saw massive flames i mean the whole hill was just on fire so and this is you know sunrise this is five six a.m so i'm starting to kind of prepare the boat that we might if the wind changes and that dense smoke blows right in on us we're gonna have to get out of there quick so i started kind of preparing for that to happen i woke up i mentioned to one crew who was awake and said, hey we might be getting out pretty quick here so but um yeah but the 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 the, the smoke never to the, the direction didn't change the smoke just stayed blowing out to sea where it was so we were fine so also kind of weird being anchored here because also led the previous night you had your kind of little slight onshore breeze, but then the wind changed in the evening, and suddenly this hot, dry, like like Arizona, like Phoenix level. This it was, it was like 90 Fahrenheit in late into the evening, but with about 10 percent humidity. So it was, and it was just this wind shift that did it. Suddenly the wind was just coming off the land instead, and things just got bone dry. In fact. All the rigging, like that, our mooring lines there. You, you touch your rigging, the rigging became so stiff because the, the moisture was just sucked out of it. Hmm. And even my even my mainsail, which is kind of a bit of a ratty older mainsail, also felt really crispy, right? With this humidity change, it was it was bizarre. I, I'd never experienced such a quick change in humidity like that. So, what do they yeah. call that wind in California? There's a wind in California that comes from the uh, from the upper. Uh, upper areas and it's just a dry wind that blows out the sea what did, what is it i'm trying to think you of know it. down in down in la they call those the santa ana winds okay that's right the and santa here in the, in the bay area here in northern california with all the diablo winds but those are the ones they typically set up in the fall and they're the ones that are driving the big wildfires that we've had like if you ever look back i mean most of our wildfires out here have been have been in the fall when the weather system set up in a way that you have these strong offshore super dry offshore winds <clears throat> so yeah and yeah it, and it was, blows up I, i've been out in in uh, monterey and not monterey um los angeles area north of La, ventura and those have been blowing and they are strong winds 
So you got to get as close to the shore to keep the fetch because the fetch is coming from the uh, shore out to the uh, out, which is surprising how much wave action builds up in a short fetch when those winds are blowing strong. Sure, sure, yeah. But we we know this. Where I spent so much time in Croatia, you know, the Bora wind is, is mm. kind of a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, but crazy there in Sicily. Yeah, we spent the night. Yeah, I didn't sleep too much. You know, with the that big wildfire at uh, yeah at uh, you know, at sunrise. So I looked around at the town people. There were the people in the harbor, you know, the locals in the harbor. They didn't seem too alarmed. Like I didn't hear sirens or anything. We did start to see some of those uh, airplane bombers, right? That, mm-hmm. that skim over the water, fill up the tanks, and, and take off again, and uh, and you know drop the water. Saw a helicopter doing the same. So, but then, no one seemed too alarmed. <laughs> They're just but used to I'm, it. Yeah, I've seen that. And I saw the same thing in Italy when I was traveling through on the other side of the peninsula. And, and uh, there, I was on a track to get to a specific harbor. And a Coast Guard boat came out and forced me to go down another way because that was the landing pad or the landing uh, or the pickup for the water. I was right in the way of the pickup for the water for the boat, the planes that were coming around. They would skim the water, pick up water, take off. And then go drop it. It was interesting to watch. It was oh, absolutely. I think these are Canadian. They call always call them the Canadian planes. They're yellow and they're yeah. And they 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 don't land, but they skim across the open water, fill up the tanks, and lift off again. It's so crazy to see. Yeah. So, well, you're almost done. It looks like you're almost back. Almost back. So uh, so we eventually get going. We can't go go start going too early because the you know the Strait of Messina. So this is kind of the famous. Strait of Messina with the currents and the whirlpools and all that. I, I, I found an app that should tell you when the currents are, are most favorable, right? So we, uh, so we left around noon to catch the, what should have been a favorable current coming down through the straits. It turns out it wasn't favorable. We were fighting a not a current pretty much the whole way. Uh, but that was a long, boring slog. And, and the water here in the strait is always a little turbulent. I don't know what it is. It's just this convergence of, you know, currents and things and waves from different parts. But it, it, it was just kind of a lumpy, kind of really unpleasant ride, mostly under motor. We did sail a bit. And um, it was long. I think it was about 40 miles down to uh, to Terramina. And, uh, yeah, I promised the crew, hey, you know, Terramina is this amazing place. You know, White Lotus was filmed there. Um, but we pull in and, you know, this Terramina is open Basically, basically directly southeast, and and the bay is about two miles wide. But we could not find a spot in that bay that was in any way comfortable. Um, we tried. We even grabbed one of the expensive buoys. There's a Maltese guy, runs a little an expensive buoy field, <clears throat> paying like sixty euros, I think, just to be on a buoy. We tr- mm-hmm. So we took at the buoy, you know, we did, we kind of went across the bay a couple of times just to see where it was most comfortable, but there was just a, a, a swell coming in and we took a buoy. I actually called the guy, the Maltese guy who runs this buoy. I said, cause he's usually there on a, on a boat. He spends pretty much the whole summer on site on his boat. And he's, he wasn't even on his boat. He's, <laughs> and he said, no, it's probably not very comfortable. He said, but there is a buoy available. I'll tell my guy to help tie you up. And we tied up for an hour, but we said, this is, this is ridiculous. We are not going to be able to sleep at all. It was just that bad. So, and you know, we're only actually about eight miles from my home base, from the marina where 
And, you know, even though it was 11 at night, I said to the group, I said, hey, you know, I know we're opening with a Terramina, you know, and all that. But look, <clears throat> I know a spot <laughs> that I've already paid for. It's 90 minutes away. It's on a dock. It's flat. And we're going to sleep well. And everyone is, yes, in favor. So we uh, we just kept on going. We, we detached from that buoy, motored the last, you know, eight miles down to Riposto and, uh, and called it a sail. Yeah, it looks like you're like about that. 100 yards away from where you left earlier in the season then, just down the dock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so. so did you have an annual contract in the water then in Riposto then? The previous summer, I, I had, I guess I had a 10-month deal, but this particular winter, I mean winter now, uh, I had to sign up for a full year. Okay. It was the, 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 the price... I only needed 10 months. I like to sail two months, park the boat for 10. But the 10 months I wanted, which included August, uh, they said, you might as well just book a year the way we do the pricing. I said, well, okay, that doesn't make sense, but let's do that. <laughs> so, And how, just, mu- yeah, how, how, how much was that for a year contract approximately? Boy, I think uh, in U.S., probably about $4,500. Yeah, okay, for- that sounds, yeah, that's sort of what I would expect. Yeah, about 400 or three hundred fifty, three hundred sixty dollars a month sounds like, yeah, yeah, and that's an in the in the water, a wet berth, you know. Manage, you know, the boat did well the previous winter in the same spot, even though there's a massive storm, but the marina was had pretty good protection. Again, the you always worry that Mount Etna is going to erupt, but uh, so I'm kind of rolling the dice there, but but yeah, but uh, so pulled in, it was super nice just getting in flat water, just like marina showers. <laughs> we went to Termina the next day by train. So mm-hmm. and actually stayed, uh, got a room for a couple of nights. Uh, so we got our fill of Terramina. But uh, but that, yeah, that wrapped up the, the sailing portion of, of the summer. That was eight amazing weeks of uh, Sicily, Malta, and Tunisia. So it was awesome. A lot of traveling. So what are your plans for next year? Yeah, you know, always in flux. Uh, yeah, now it's, we're talking now in January 24. So yeah, I guess I'm heading over in a mere, what, four months or so. so. Yes, I better. So I plan to sail. I think what I'm going to do is sail in June, um, probably go to the Aeolians and all that. Now, I, I'm paid up through the end of July. So I think I'm going to sail in June. I'm going to skip the July heat. And then in August, I'm thinking I might sail back to Croatia or Greece, but getting over to the, yeah, to, to where there are better archipelagos, more islands, you know, more anchorages. So, but, but that's kind of the tentative plan right now. And, and I don't mind doing that in August because the, let's say you, you know, from Riposte over from east of Sicily back up to Croatia, this isn't like a high volume cruising ground. So I think even though it's August, it's still, it'll still be pretty manageable in terms of crowds. No, you won't so, see that many boats. That, that'll be fine until you get up to um, Brindisi or just south of Brindisi. But if you're going to head over to Greece, you may as well just, uh, Plan on winter. Not, now you, that's right. You're VAT paid, so you don't need to worry about that. But you still have to worry about being in the EU too long, the Schengen too long, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. As, as a person, yeah, I have to worry about being there for for more than ninety days. So, have you been to Turkey yet? Have you spent any time in Turkey? No, I haven't. Hmm. I haven't been across the Aegean at all. I haven't been east of the Ionian. So. Ionian Greece. Okay. Well, there's a whole world for you out there if you decide to go that direction. 
Yeah, I know you spent a lot of time in Turkey, and I, and if I do go, I'll I'll pick your brain a bit and maybe listen some of to your listen to some of your uh, older podcasts about it. So yeah, I spent uh, well, I spent many years wintering in Turkey because I, that put me out of the EU. I didn't have to worry about it, and I and quite honestly, I like the Turks and I like Turkey. So yeah, I'd I'd go back in a heartbeat to that area. I actually liked it more than Croatia, uh, Greece, and uh, and Turkey than Croatia. Um, number one, it was cheap, really, really inexpensive. At least it used to be. I hope it still is. Uh, but you had a lot of variety in the different islands, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. So you might want to head that direction. Yeah, yeah. The other idea is maybe wintering in Preveza in uh, Ionian oh. Greece. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe that's a, a backup plan. Um, yeah, Croatia, what do I... Yeah, there's something about it. There's just... Uh, I, I've, I've been to the Ionian a couple of times, the, the Greek Ionian, um, and definitely enjoyed it. The food's way better than in Croatia. Um, but I think Croatia's just a little more of an extensive archipelago. I mean, you, there's a lot of islands from north to south stretching over a large area. But then again, you know, I should be probably going you know, through the Corinth and going to the Aegean and all that. But then there's the Meltemi. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. So still in the planning process. But, but the, um, the summer was amazing. I mean, the, the, my whole idea this summer was getting, you know, starting to see new stuff again because I was sort of pinned into Croatia there for quite a long time. And, I, uh, and mission accomplished. Yeah, exactly. So you talk about Proviso. I did winter in Proviso one year. So it's it was actually it was not in the town of it was right across there's a big big boatyard right across from town of Proviso and I wintered there Cleopatra Marina as I remember the name of it was and uh that I liked it it was it was a good place to winter so that might be a possibility for you a big boatyard I think that's the biggest boatyard in the Mediterranean they got thousands of boats there it looks like oh, thousands of boats yeah hundreds of boats on the hard so that's their business. Yeah, and I'd like to take the boat out of the water again. I mean, it's worked out in Sicily. Just worked out better to be now in the water two winters in a row. But uh, yeah, I like the, the boat to be up. But all this time, I can you know I'll be sailing in June and then taking a break in July and then coming back in August. So that having the boat in the water kind of facilitates that a little bit better. So, but we'll see. Yeah, try different. You know, shake things up. Try try a different program. So yeah, but it was amazing. Um, I highly recommend all the places I went. It's funny, when we did finally get to Terramina, the weather changed. The Mistral wind, the typical northwesterly, came in big and instantly cooled everything down. It went from being 100 plus to to the upper 80s Fahrenheit just overnight. (laughs) So just in time for us to wander around Terramina. But yeah, that was a nasty heat wave. That was was the only sort of eye or pockmark of the of the voyage was that uh the heat. crazy heat wave yeah yeah well andrew it's been great talking to you again let's catch up soon i i uh i won't be crossing paths with you anytime soon but uh i enjoy talking to you so thanks so much for coming on and sharing your summer with us yeah france always good talking to you and yeah let people know there's the uh the, the GPS track, the KMZ file, and they are also lo- an album of photos. They are both, both those links are loaded on the show notes for this website. So if you want to go through and look at the track that we've been talking about for the last three episodes, go on to the show notes and download the uh, KMZ files. And 
and take a look at it and follow along with the uh, with the podcast. We should have said that at the beginning of this this series, but uh, also you've got from previous episodes, you've got the uh, KMZ files from all of your previous uh, trips, which go back to where do I have it? Back to two thousand. Eight. I've got your tracks from 2008 on. A, a wealth of information just in looking at the Geisha tracks over the, all those years. And I've got them saved on my Google Earth. And uh, thank you for sharing that with us. It's great information. Yeah, I hope people get them, some use out of them. It's uh, been quite a ride. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, Andrew, you take care. Yeah, Franz. Yeah, take it easy. Talk yeah. to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. If you find any of this content valuable and you would like to support the podcast, the easiest way to do it is to go to the website, medsailor.com, and buy some of the audio lessons I've prepared for learning to sail. I have lessons for the ASA 101, the 103, and the 104. Also, if you'd like to become a Patreon, I'd appreciate it. Just click the link on the website. The website for sailing in the Mediterranean and beyond is www.medsailor.com Again, medsailor.com Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.